Hi, this is Eric Y. Chen, host of the Y Factor podcast, where I interview entrepreneurs, CEOs, and individuals on how they got started in their business. I take a deep dive to understand their journey through life, uncovering their purpose, and most importantly, discussing their whys. Thanks for tuning in. Let's get started. Hey, everybody. This is Eric Y. Chen of the Y Factor Podcast. And today I have uh, a guest here that I'm super excited to have on. His name is Andrew Muse, and he is a big, big content creator um, in the adventure world. And so I'll have you introduce yourself and, and pretty much tell us a little bit more. Yeah, Eric. Thank you so much for having me here. Yeah, my name is Andrew Muse. I currently reside in Park City, Utah. And I've built a, a really, I mean, really the life of my dreams. I, I'm a professional snowboarder. I work with a bunch of major brands. Um, and I get to travel the world a lot of times with my dog, my girlfriend. And uh, it, this career path has wildly exceeded my expectations. And yeah, it's been a, a pretty crazy ride. And I'm super thankful for the life that I have at the moment. So pretty much how, how I discovered Andrew was just uh, about 18 months ago. So I've been following his adventure. And, and when I say adventure, his his adventure is a little different from ours, right? Our, my type of adventure would just be like, oh, I get to go on, you know, maybe a three-week vacation and then that's it. But you are always on vacation, not vacation. You are always on adventure, which right. can be seen as a vacation, but it's really your full-time job as well, right? Yeah. I mean, I get to travel a lot, but I, I work entirely for myself. I mean, I have clients, so all the the fun adventure content you see there's also a ton of work behind the scenes behind the computer you know just having being able to build uh, a reputation that allows you know brands to feel comfortable sending me to cool places and knowing that they're going to get some great assets in return so the way i'm able to travel is basically create photo video and marketing assets for brands or boards of tourism or you know it just kind of depends so it's a hustle. It, it looks like a fairy tale, but it's a lot of work. Yeah. And I feel like you're being pretty humble about like the, the clients and companies that you do work with. So I'm, I'm going to name drop for you. I mean, you're, you're already sp- you're sponsored by GoPro, Rossignol, Maverick, and then you worked with a few other big companies like Travel Channel, Google. I mean, helping these big companies do their con or providing the content based on right. your own life and your own, your own lifestyle. And I mean, if, if people aren't too familiar either, you know, one of the, the reasons why you are popular is because you have a partner in crime, Kicker, yep. right? the adventure dog. He's a, he's a golden retriever um, that Andrew has been able to take around with him. And, and if you guys do go check out his, his content, I mean, he, you know, when Kicker was a puppy, he, he's, Kicker's in his jacket going down, you know, snowboarding or skiing and even what paragliding and everything too. So <laughs> yeah, just like any, a, anything you don't think you should be doing with your dog, he's, <laughs> he's doing it. He's had um, a pretty so awesome life. Yeah. Is, is kicker dog here too, or he is. Yeah. He's just outside playing in the backyard at the moment. Nice. Getting some, some sun. So I do want to kind of talk about your, your backstory, your history. I mean, pretty much like even how you got started within, within this world. Right. Cause I mean, Instagram has, I think what came out when we were, I don't, I don't even know, maybe 2010, maybe. So Something like that, yeah. Right? 
And, you know, this has opened up a lot of avenues for, you know, a lot of people to, to create a new lifestyle or a new occupation, new career. So, I mean, what got you even started in, in this field? Yeah, I mean, for me, I, I kind of, I grew up back east. I grew up in Massachusetts, single mom who struggled with some some issues and I just never really knew any like happy adults. So my career path was more based on passion and quality of life versus, you know, a monetary pursuit, but the monetary side of things has far exceeded what I ever expected. So yeah, I moved out West to pursue a life of being in the mountains. I really was super passionate about snowboarding and skiing I was able to get to get into it from a, like a discounted after school program back in elementary school, and I just so kind you of moved, you moved path. yourself when you're in elementary school or you no no to... no I'm saying I got into skiing and snowboarding through this discounted program, and then right after I graduated, I graduated at 17. I was really young for my my class. I basically applied everywhere I could out west in hopes to pursue um, a career in the snowboarding world, whether that was to be a professional snowboarder or a heli ski guide. Those were sort of my like two targets. And I ski patrolled for a little bit. It was great. I really enjoyed the medical side of things. I kind of thought like, Hey, maybe I'll pivot and get into the medical field at some point. And then, you know, I was, I was a pretty late adopter to Facebook and to Instagram. Mm -hmm. You know, my friend's girlfriend was like, no, you have to have a Facebook. She made me one, like built my whole profile. I was like, here you go. I was like, okay, whatever. Then Instagram, I was like, ah, no, not a, not a huge thing, but you know, I just put it off forever. But now it's actually become a pretty big, you know, uh, I put a lot of effort into it just because it helps, you know, build relationships and clients and brand awareness and all these different things. So I ski patrolled for a couple years, then I got fired because I I went into a closed area preseason and got caught by the wrong person. And I thought like that whole dream was done. Waited tables for a while, but honestly that allowed me to, I had to be to work at four so I could snowboard all day and get to work and do it all over again. So I did that for a couple of years and somewhere in, in between there, I bought a GoPro and started mm-hmm. filming my, you know, adventures. You know, it wasn't just snowboarding. I'd sort of developed this, this pretty vast multi-sport skill set with, you know, climbing, mountain biking, snowboarding, skiing, kiteboarding, just kind of like living a, a pretty unique lifestyle. I, you know, I've lived in a, a Volkswagen Golf, uh, an Astro van, a, a progression of vehicles sort of before the whole van life thing was even a hashtag, it seems. So, yeah, I mean, uh, how old are you? Because it feels like you've done so much already within the span of time. Yeah, I am 31, which is crazy. I don't, yeah. I can't even believe that's a thing, but yeah, I just, I, I inevitably just started following breadcrumbs. Some of the content I was producing was starting to do well. You know, initially I just was creating content to share with friends while I was kind of waiting tables, but that eventually started to feel stagnant. I was, you know, waiting tables at one of the nicest restaurants in Park City, making, you know, pretty good living, skiing every day, living in this big house, amazing girlfriend, but it just, there was no more room for for me to progress. So sort of the next step was, okay, I'm going to commit to this content creator athlete career. And basically I, I had this vision of creating a 12 episode pilot series at a few pretty low level entry, you know, entry level sponsorships 
Most of them were just gear. I was making a little bit of money, but nothing sustainable or profitable. Mm -hmm. So I, I quit my job and I bought this $500 1976 truck camper and decided I was going to remodel it. And over the course of, I thought it was going to be like, you know, $2,000 in two weeks and I'd be on the road and this thing would be amazing. And I quickly realized that was not the case. And this project itself for me was one of the biggest awakenings for me as far as like my self-motivation and my, my passion. So, you know, I was... Before you dive into that, what, where did you even get the idea to want to get the, the van? So I had been waiting tables in Park City. We have shoulder seasons. The spring and the fall aren't very busy. So mm-hmm. waiting tables... You're kind of just standing there. You get a couple tables a night. It's a waste of time. You don't make any money. So typically half the staff or three quarters of it goes and takes a month off. You know, you've, you've binge worked all winter, the, the spring off. And that's kind of what I had done in the past. And, you know, I'd spent, you know, three weeks or a month in the mountains climbing, living out of my Astro van. Or I'd, at one point when I was 19, I went and spent uh, two months living out of a backpack on Kauai. I didn't know anybody. I was 19 years old. I probably had $2,000 to my name. I just like slept in bushes and ate weird food and met crazy people. And so for me, I was like, man, those life experiences were so impactful for me that, you know, I, and at this point I had built up such a, you know, not a vast skill set, but, you know, multi-sport, I could tell a decent story, obviously, you know, the, the progression, I I continue to improve with my storytelling. So season one now looks like, you know, very amateur to me, but at the time it was, it was pretty high level. So I built this best work. (laughs) I had built this, this storytelling skill set. So I was like, man, I could go on this epic adventure, share this, this story, which I think is, you know, could be potentially pretty entertaining or inspiring. And I was just like, I'm just going to commit to this. So I actually had bought the truck camper before I quit. So I was like, I was working, you know, 16 plus hour days every day. Cause I'd wake up at six in the morning without an alarm, just awake, passionate, ready to go. And I'd either work till, you know, on the road, the camper till four and then go to work till 12 and then, you know, wake up at six, do it all over. Or if I didn't have work, I'd just work from like six to 12 every day for like two months. And that for me was, you know, I've always been a hard worker. I've always been like a pretty passionate person. And all of a sudden I was able to put 16 hour days and back to back to back and not feel, you know, just lethargic about it. I was, I was just inspired. So that was sort of the, the start, the full commitment. When I decided to quit my job, I put my two weeks in and lined up on April 1st. And the guy I was working for at the, uh, the restaurant, it's funny, we were very similar, similar build. He came from an athletic background, but he was the GM, but he had no sense of humor. He did not think I was funny and he hated my shoes. So <laughs> as a way for me to kind of uh, burn the boat, to burn the bridge, I, I super glued my shoes to his office floor just <laughs> as, as sort of a joke because yeah. it was my last day. I ended up getting the last table at like five minutes before we were supposed to leave. I ended up leaving the restaurant at like one in the morning. So I don't know. I just thought it was kind of a, a funny way to commit and, you know, jokingly burn the bridge. I'm sure if I needed the job back, I could probably get it. But yeah, <laughs> um, yeah, that's sort of the, the start of, of it all really. 
It, it's kind of it's interesting you bring up the, the burn burning the boat and the bridge uh, aspect. I mean, when I was thinking about quitting my job, I actually gave my managers three months notice because that's how like committed I was. It's like I told them, "Hey, I'm planning to leave around this time, which is about a three month notice. That gives you guys enough time to fill my position. So once you guys do, you guys can. I'm ready to leave at any time, but I'll just continue working until." you guys can transition someone in or just let me go if you guys decide to. I was, I was ready. Right. But I, I was uh, I was fortunate enough that they did just keep me around uh-huh. um, until the last day. And I, I remember it was, uh, they were telling me, I did start to slack a little bit, obviously, as the you know days got closer. And <laughs> they're like, hey, Eric, um, you know, can you, can you just put a little bit of work in? Like, you know, you're influencing the other, your other peers to like not work as hard. And I was like, okay, I'll, I'll, I'll keep working. But I had talked with like one of the senior directors and they, they told me, it's like, Hey, look, like, like if you do this, they felt like I was burning a bridge when I was, when I was quitting. And obviously they kind of wanted to keep me around. I mean, I was, I was good at my sales job, right? They wanted to keep me around and, and they kind of t- told me in a roundabout way that like, yeah, if I take this step, I probably won't be able to come back. And that's then, just them trying to keep you around. Obviously, they, if they valued you, like then yeah, maybe they would have like okay, okay, okay come yeah, back. Um, right. But I, I thought about it, and I, I was okay with that approach, just because it really puts things like it makes things real, right? Like once, right. once you feel like yeah, the boat's gone, there's no more bridge for you to go back. Like it's, it's just moving forward, right? So I, I think we relate well on, on that aspect. Did you? I mean, that was based on like the Greek mythology with. Uh, Oh man, who is it? I don't remember, but I used it's, to say it's actually a metaphor I just heard. I was like, oh yeah, burning the bridges. And my friend was like, burn the boat. And it's like these people, apparently it was explained to me because I, I, I hadn't heard it before and I thought it was yeah. just essentially a burn the bridge, same thing. But yeah, a civilization of people like, or maybe it was warriors. They it was, had, yeah, like, it, was, it was a war, and yeah. And um, they come to the shores and they like, burned their boats and like the only way forward was to like fight through this this other army yeah. so for me that i mean that's maybe like a little bit more descriptive of like okay <laughs> to fight through this i'm gonna make it work like there's no reason why this for me it was like i don't this doesn't make sense like I, there's no way i'm gonna get paid to travel mm-hmm. and do what i love but i'm gonna try my hardest anyways and it's it's led me to a pretty crazy place yeah. Sure. No, I, so go, okay. So you quit your job. You're basically, you're going into it. You've, you've burned your bridges. And then, so you start working on your, it's not called a van, right? Is it more of a, this, this was a truck camper. So I had done a van in the past and I ended up doing a van for the next season, but uh-huh. this was a, a truck camper. So it's uh, you have like a pickup truck and then you slide this thing in the back and it's a mini house. Yeah. So then I, I guess at that, the time, because I feel like your your persona right now really is is you and and having an adventure dog, right? So right. at what point did you bring your pet into the adventure? Like, were you always a dog guy? Did you always have a pet with you too? Or yeah, so for me, I always wanted a dog, and I had this like idealist vision of this dog that came with me everywhere, snowboarding, hiking, backpacking, you know, through the city, and never needed a leash, and would just be able to like follow me like that character was always just like such a a cool thing and I always love dogs I love animals and you know I, I'm also a huge you know firm believer that you shouldn't own a dog unless you can give it 
the life it deserves, a mm -hmm. great life. So, you know, for the first couple of years on my own, my life was super unstable. I was working crazy hours, crazy jobs, never really knew, you know, what, what was next. And when I was 22, things sort of started to stabilize and I had a job that I could take Booter, who's my first golden retriever to work with me. And he far exceeded like my dream dog. Like I had this dog in mind. I was like, man, if my dog could be like this, like he'd be the best dog ever. And he was like so much cooler than that. Yeah. Um, You're just like, as, as long as they can, like, they'll come back to me if I call them like off leash, then <laughs> that'd be good to go. And then, right. Well, he just loved everything I loved. Like he loved to snowboard. He loved to be in the mountains. He loved to play in water. Like he was just an, an amazing partner in crime and he was so well behaved and he was, you know, he was really special. Like even people with dogs that had great dogs were like, man, like Booter is so special. He's just like really connected with people and you know, he's very polite. He didn't like far, you know, come crashing into people or stepping on people's stuff. He was just a, like a really good dog. Mm -hmm. And yeah, we had been skiing together and or snowboarding together and doing all different kinds of, you know, climbing adventures. Like I had a harness for him. So we'd done some like rappelling and, you know, stuff just, I don't know. I just brought him everywhere he was allowed pretty much. And he was like so calm, cool and collected. I could have him like, you know, climb onto my shoulders and I could climb up ladders or down ladders or down climb things with him on my shoulders. And he just kind of like, we had this sort of you know, by the end of it, this unspoken language, I could like look at him and he'd be like, okay, I'll sit or like, okay, I'll come climb up on your shoulders or whatever it was. So yeah, that was sort of like, you know, the, the big, I mean, that kind of went without saying like the content was going to integrate, you mm -hmm. know, Booter and myself doing this, you know, life on the road for six months, um, creating different 12 different episodes of like just random, crazy kind of obscure adventures from, you know, rappelling off of bridges into like crazy rivers or backcountry skiing or, you know, checking out Havasupai Falls or crazy rope swings or paragliding. It just seemed like, you know, this is the lifestyle we live in. It'd be really cool to like share that with people and friends. And, and this was you know. all self, like self-made content. Like, did you have a team to help you do the editing or there's just, I'm going to grab my GoPro and then... So for season one, it was, it was just me and my girlfriend for the first half. Just we ended up going our separate ways. But yeah, I was the, the concept of the series was to film, edit, and release each episode in two weeks. So like every other Saturday or something for the course of six months. So 12 episodes. And this was sort of the pilot series. So I was very, very dedicated to that proof of concept to be able to go to another brand um, or brands after the 12 episodes were done and say, Hey, look at, look at this. Like, this is what I, I promised. This is what I delivered. I didn't miss a single deadline and I far overproduced as far as what like the initial pitch was, you know, we created so much unique, diverse, beautiful content, you know, in, in hopes to create a more sustainable you know, more profitable season two. So that was like, that was my dream. And we really, it went off without a hitch. We did a full 12 episodes of like just crazy, unique adventures. I hit every single deadline except for the last one, which, you know, we'll, we can get into. And yeah, I had, you know, the, the 12th and final episode, we set up this 
two pretty crazy rope swings. One of them is still the hands down, like the craziest thing I've ever done. And, you know, everything had just gone off without a hitch. And I really wanted to spend as much time on the 12th episode to have that proof of concept to be the most polished, most beautiful, most epic thing I could send and say, Hey, you know, this is the 12th and final episode of this awesome thing. We're doing the season two. Like we'd love to have you involved. And after spending six months of like, just it's a ton of work editing like this is so time consuming. So to do all of that for six months was, was really intense. But what ended up happening is my younger sister had an opportunity to get married on a float in a parade in Santa Barbara where her and her fiance lived. Totally Mm -hmm. random. They had been engaged for a while. Santa Barbara was looking to have a couple get married. Her fiance applied and they had basically a three-day notice like, hey, we're getting married in three days. And uh, it was just a way for them to throw this big lavish wedding without having to spend any money. Yeah. Like, there's no money for my side of the family. It would all come from Jamie's, whatever. So anyways, they ended up like doing this. So I, instead of going directly back to Park City from Moab, which is about a four hour drive, I drove about 12 hours to Santa Barbara to celebrate with, with them, you know, meet Jamie's side of the family. Jamie is my sister's husband. And my mom was there and her, I think, fiance at the time. And it was really like the first time in my entire life that I can remember where things were going well for my mother, my sister and I, and I was like, so happy. And there's like this photo of my, you know, myself, Lindsay, who's my sister and my mom and Booter. And it's like, just this moment of like, wow, everything was so good. Everything is so good right now. And so I hang out for a couple days and I really wanted to get back to Park City, which was sort of my, my home base. I didn't have a place to live. I didn't have an apartment, but I had friends and I had resources where I could say, Hey, can I buckle down in your, you know, guest bedroom for the next 36 hours or 48 hours and just like edit my brains out. So I left early one morning to get back to Park City to give myself, uh, you know, a full three days, we'll call it of editing. And I was driving for 12 hours and I was, I was just exhausted. You know, I'd just kind of come off this epic trip, you know, Booter and I are on our way home. Life was, you know, so good, but I like really wanted to spend this time editing and I started to get super tired and I was like, man, if I can just drive one more hour, that puts me like two hours from park city. That's a full day of editing. You know, I'm not wasting half the day driving. And that was like hands down one of the biggest mistakes I've made I've ever made. Ended up continuing to drive. I was super tired and I fell asleep behind the wheel and rear ended an 18 wheeler and lost everything. Like absolutely totaled my truck. It was everything I owned. I was totally financially exhausted from producing this, this series. And I lost my dog Booter who is five years old and he was my soulmate. Like I could have, if I had the choice to light everything I had on fire, including, you know, my bank account, which was already empty (laughs) and keep Booter for another month, I would have done it. No questions asked. And so I mean, at that point in time, I was totally, I mean, that moment was like everything I cared about and everything I owned. And I, I, I mean, my life was over. I didn't have any money. I don't have a family that I can go, Hey, I need, you know, $5,000 or $2,000 to get back on my feet. It's just like not in the cards for me. So, I mean, I thought, I thought I was done. Like I thought everything I'd worked for 
you know, I, I just didn't see the, the point in, in living at that point. I was like, just let me get hit by a car, run over, like, and I'd be much happier. And yeah, it was, it was super, super heavy. You know, the loss of Buddha is still something that, you know, still is a, is a big hole in my heart. Um, but you know, at the scene of the accident, some of the, you know, I refused care. I demanded that the paramedics try and save, save Booter. There's nothing we could do. And you know, the, the paramedics were trying to start small talk with me about climbing about, you know, cause my gear was like on the side of the road, just exploded everywhere. And I was like, leave me alone. Like, I don't want to talk about climbing right now. Like, I don't care. Like, I just, just leave me alone. And one of the firefighters, you know, the firefighters eventually showed up and this guy, as I'm crying on the side of the road, sitting next to, to Booter came up and was like, Hey man, like, I am so sorry. Like, I get it. I have dogs. I've lost dogs. Like, um, and just, he was just quietly there for me. He didn't want to talk to me about anything. He was just like, I feel for you, man. And, you know, I had to deal with you know, the police and I had to, you know, do all this other stuff. And I actually ended up being stuck at the scene of the accident for like five or six hours because I refused care and the officer was an asshole. So he didn't want to give me a ride into town and he was just being super rude to me. And <laughs> anyways, um, this firefighter, I was like, dude, you, you really helped me. You know, I'm, I'm still totally, totally devastated at this point. But I was like, I just, I want to stay in contact. I want to send you you know, this, this connection I had with Booter because it was really something special. So anyways, a friend from Park City comes and picks me up and I'm crashing onto his couch and word spread pretty quickly. And, you know, I, I honestly didn't really know what to do with my life. Like, okay, I'm going to work at, you know, get, get a job and, and try and build my life back together. But I don't even have any clothes at this point. So one of my good friends took me in. And this and is, this is where you're the last episode of your series. It was incomplete, right? That was the whole point I, to go back. Yeah. And, I hadn't finished finish. editing it. Yeah. So mm-hmm. I had done, I had done all the activities. I had all the content I needed for it. And I was just on my way home to like finish the edit. So I had just done, you know, the hardest nine months of work of my entire life with this, you know, dream project and, um, you know, it went off without a hitch and I'm like, you know, on cloud nine and then it all in a moment, one lapse of judgment went to ashes, like just everything I cared about was gone. Um, so even all the content that you had shot that, is that just never released or you, so this is crazy. My computer bag and camera bag were sitting on my bed in the truck camper, which was, it's like over the cab of the truck. Um, mm-hmm. It's like, and when I hit the 18 wheeler, it busted in the back doors of the, the 18 wheeler. So those were like inverted inside the truck in my computer bag and my camera bag were both found in the back of the truck. My computer was okay. My camera was broken and all the hard drives survived. So I had, I had released episode 11, but the content for episode 12 had never, hadn't been edited or released, but that all survived. I mean, everything else was told. I could have maybe like dug through some of the wreckage and grabbed like some climbing gear, but it was not, I mean, everything else just ended up going to the dump essentially. But Mm -hmm. when we, when they were able to separate my truck from the 18 wheeler, we looked in the back of the 18 wheeler and like my camera bag was, was there and the hard drives worked somehow. 
Yeah. Absolutely wild. So, I mean, obviously uh, this is the, the touching story that, you know, um, the dojo had covered and that's how, Mm -hmm. you know, a lot of people discovered you, your booter and obviously very, very traumatic experience. Uh, How, like you went back to your friend's place. I mean, did, did it take you a while to even be able to like put the clips together? Cause I mean, you know, with the loss of your best friend, like, is it just, you decided to give yourself downtime or. I was devastated. Like, I just didn't know what the hell I was going to do with my life. Like what was even the point at that, you know, for me and what happened, what inspired me to actually like really try to rebuild was the community of people around me and around the world that had found out about the accident and that had been watching season one of the tiny home adventure, you know, people that were reached out, they're like, you inspired me to get out with my kids or inspired me to give my dog a better life or teachers in Ireland showing my content to kids in their classroom and, you know, friends I grew up with who, you know, had it pretty rough as well, who, you know, donated money to me that I know was like a very serious amount of money for them to, to donate. And like people just were, you know, what I didn't realize is what we were creating actually had been inspiring people to, to change their own lives or to live a better life or to give their pet or their family or themselves a better life. And that, that was for me, I just thought I was creating like fun adventure content. I was like, Oh, it's entertaining. It's, you know, it's what I love. You know, I think it's fun to watch. Hopefully other people enjoy it. What I didn't realize is the effect it had on other people and the amount of people that reached out and were like, Hey, like, keep doing what you're doing, like pick yourself up, you you know, you have a a huge community of of people around the world who actually care about you. Like, so that for me was the shift from like, poor me, I want to jump in front of moving traffic to like, try to like put the pain and the suffering aside and see if, if I can actually create a, a season two, which is hard. I mean, you know, I ended up uh, a friend, I was like crashing on a friend's couch and then another friend's family had a condo that was being remodeled in Park City and it looked like the Dexter like kill lab, like everything was wrapped in plastic Mm. aside from my bedroom, which is kind of weird, but I had a place to stay and like, you know, I'd wake up and I think I'd see Booter out of the corner of my eye and like that was still so hard, but I would wake up and I would, you know, I started to kind of reach out back to some brands say, hey, you know, I would love the opportunity to potentially do a season two, but it needs to be at a more sustainable level. I need like a bigger, you know, investment from you guys and you know, I'll, I'll provide you with these different assets, whatever. And Maverick, who's like a big gas station chain in, based out of Utah, they're pretty big now said, you know, we'll, we'll pay you 75% of the number I gave them as far as like what I would consider sustainable and then pick up whatever other sponsors you want. So GoPro signed, oh, well, sorry, Rosignol signed on. Another couple of smaller brands were like, okay, we'll help fill that gap. And then a few weeks later, I got a, a, an email from GoPro saying, hey, we love your content. We've been following you forever. We'd love to pick up season two of the Tiny Home Adventure. Like, how can we help? So I was able, like, that was sort of this dream phone call. Things sort of started to come together. Phone call or email, I don't actually remember at this point. I ended up having a, a phone call later, maybe all these things started to come together. And then at some point in this, you know, piecing of my life back together, I got a phone call from Paul, the firefighter from the accident 
who calls me up and he's, he's just kind of like, we had been talking for a few months. We'd stayed in contact and he goes, Hey man, like I have a really cool opportunity for you, but I need to tell you a story first. And he dives into the tragic loss of his first dog and how his parents got him a new dog and that helped him like, you know, heal and that he didn't feel like he was ready for it, but it was just like a really helpful thing. And that now him and his family breed goldens and golden doodles and that they have a puppy for me when they're ready. So that's where kicker comes in. My new, my new pup mm-hmm. uh, who's amazing as well. But I know, so, I know in expectations, obviously like even being able to replace, you can never replace, you know, your first love, your first dog. Right. Um, and so even then, like, I remember one of your contents, it was about like, you know, whether kicker could live up to, you know, expectations. Right. Right. That right. was, uh, that was so hard. Cause like I said, Booter had drastically exceeded my dream, like imaginary best dog in the world. He was incredible. And I didn't want to get a new dog and feel like I was holding kicker to those same standards. But I mean, how is that possible to know? Like, okay, I've had this dog that was so perfect, and incredible. Like, so that was scary for me. Like, I didn't want to get some, you know, sheepish, timid dog who didn't like to be in the snow or in the water. It was totally neurotic. Like, that was a huge fear of mine. But I ended up eventually going and, and taking them up on the offer and picking up a puppy. And we drove home and we got home and there had been like three or four inches of snow on the ground. So I plop them down and he just starts going nuts. He's running circles. He's burying himself. He's sliding all over the place. He's chasing me. I'm like, okay, like we're totally going to get along. Like this is going to be, this is going to be good. But yeah, it was really scary. And thankfully they're, they're similar in a lot of ways. And I'm super lucky to have, you know, been blessed with two of the best dogs I could have ever dreamed of. Um, but they're also different in their, in, in certain ways as well, which is great because they're, they're two different dogs, but I'm still, I feel incredibly lucky to have had two yeah. awesome dogs. And yeah. it's been extremely fun because, you know, after, after hearing your story and starting to follow you and being able to watch the progression of, I remember the, that scene you had shot with kicker playing around in the snow and you're like, yeah. oh my goodness. Yeah. He, he does the, like snow and it's going to be great. Right. So you've been able to create is all of the content with kicker. Now that's, that was season two, right. Of your. Yeah. So, so fortunately, you know, these sponsors came together, my life sort of pieced its way back together and, and rebuilt itself, you know, far. Like I just didn't even think that was fathomable that I would be able to recover from that kind of a loss. Like I couldn't imagine being at like a lower low uh, other than losing my health or like loss of limb or something, you know, something like that. And yeah, all of a sudden all these things came back together and kicker and I found this really cool four by four van and we had these bigger sponsors and it was a little bit more sustainable. So we spent another six months driving up to Alaska, which had been a dream of mine since I was very, very young. And we, yeah, it was just, we had this incredible experience together living in this van it was just this tiny puppy and that's sort of where we we got to learn to know each other and kicker was introduced like right out of the gates into this pretty wild adventure lifestyle has it has there been you feel like uh kicker could get restless if he's just at home too long or and he needs adventure all the time because that's what he grew up on he's surprisingly mellow in the house yeah he just kind of like loafs around he's kind of cuddly and mellow but if he knows we're like going out or going for a run, 
or if some people show up and we've been like, you know, a little bit stagnant, he, he definitely gets pretty rambunctious, but he's, he's honestly pretty mellow. I mean, we, we do get a lot of exercise. Like that's one of like the key components I think of giving a dog that the life it deserves is giving it the exercise that they need. So he's never like too stagnant, you know, it it happens. We have our days where I'm stuck in front of the computer for way too long, but we try to make it out every day and and go do something and tire them out. Yeah, no, that's good. It's it's like uh, people who try to raise a Husky in the city. Right. (laughs) You're just Uh, like, (laughs) I I think Huskies are like the most beautiful and aesthetic dogs out Mm -hmm. there. I mean, kicker is the most beautiful dog in the world, clearly, (laughs) but I always really wanted a Husky, but after doing some research, it's like, dude, I can't, Huskies need to run like 20 miles a day, you know, and I just don't have the bandwidth to run a dog 20 miles. So that's why I didn't get a Husky or, mm-hmm. you know, like a Husky in the desert doesn't really make sense. They're yep. built for tundra, not yeah. desert. So, <laughs> yeah. Uh, so in, in terms of, so you, right now you are, I mean, you, you've gone through this, you know, traumatic experience. You've, you've picked yourself up, you know, you've had the community reach out to you to, help, you know, pick you up and then you're able to get kicker and start working on an entirely new project. I mean, it's, it's been a crazy, crazy adventure just to even experience that, that Mm -hmm. part. Right. And so now fast forward, you guys basically are trying to prepare for season three. Is that correct? Right. So season three is what, like even like 10 times crazier than what you've already done. Pretty much. Yeah. So we're building a vehicle that or we're just about finished building one of the craziest vehicles anyone has ever built in their garage. I'm throwing that out as a claim. And it looks, um, it looks super sick. <laughs> it turned out absolutely stunning. Basically, what we tried to do is build an Earth Roamer concept vehicle, which Earth Roamers, you can buy. It's a brand. Um, and they start at $550,000, I want to say, and go up to $1.5 million. And we had like a $30,000 budget. To, to try and build something comparable. And, you know, we, we definitely went over our budget a fair amount, but the vehicle we created is equal to or greater than, I think, a, an Earth Roamer. And the whole plan is really to elevate the whole Series 10X, right? We want to bring it to a network, whether it's, you know, an on-demand online major network or if it's network TV or whatever. So that's been our like main focus over the last year really is like one building the vehicle, which has been so much more challenging than I expected. You think I've I'd done enough of these by now, I would know how much work it was going to be, but mm-hmm. it was just at such another level. It, it really whooped our asses. But now we're like talking with producers and networks and really trying to, to elevate the whole thing and bring on a team because both season one and two, we're pretty much entirely filmed by me. Season two, I had a, I'd brought on a friend to help film for a couple months, but uh, yeah, we just want to bring the whole, the elevate the whole thing to sort of the next level. Yeah. And I, I think what's amazing is that with season one and season two, it really wasn't about, you know, necessarily getting sponsors and trying to make a living off of it. It was just like, I'm going to try to produce content and this will be the lifestyle. And like you said earlier on in, in this podcast is that it wasn't monetary value that comes with it. It just happened to come based on, you know, the genuine content that you are producing. Right. Right. Yeah. 
I mean, I'm, I'm just, I really enjoy progression, whether it's an athletic, physical progression or business progression or whatever. So the focus still isn't to like, let's make a million dollars. It's to produce the most badass content we possibly can to get the most amount of viewership. And like, you know, those are sort of the, the metrics I find value in. Of course, I want to be able to like own a house someday and, you know, have some sort of like maybe residual income with licensing content or something like that. But yeah, I mean, for me, it's just like to perpetuate this dream lifestyle. Mm-hmm. And with like this type of work, I mean, if, if people want to do the same thing that you're doing, like what would you tell them? Just my, my theory for, for a baseline for anything is if you're willing to work harder than everybody else, you're bound to be successful you know, there's some people that are wildly more successful than I am. And obviously I have those people I, I envy. I'm like, man, they've, they've got it so good or they had it so easy or they, they just were, were lucky and they timed things well. You know, I think it's really easy to think, think like that, especially trying to get into like a creator space. But at the end of the day, if you're willing to like work hard, be positive and make certain sacrifices, you know, like one of the big turns for me was when I was 25, sort of when this all started, when I started to feel stagnant, I stopped drinking for like two years because I'd always made fun of, in Park City, it's a big party town, people. It's the lifestyle. Um, if you want to be like a lifestyle. ski bum and then you right. just go, go ski, work, go ski, and then go drink with your friends right after. And Right. Know. But the problem with that is people can't wake up in the morning and, and actually deliver on the plans that you made with them. You know, I'd have friends say, Oh, Hey, we'll meet here at like eight 30 first tracks going to be yeah. happy tomorrow. <laughs> and then they would sh- call me at like 11 30, 12. And I'd be coming off the mountain like, Hey man, sorry, you missed him. Like, dude, it's done. I, I already tracked out the mountain, like enjoy my second and third tracks. Like just, that just really bothered me. And then I went out drinking one night and I missed the powder day and I was like, what am I doing? I'm such a hypocrite. So <laughs> for me, I, I focused my energy on the progression of the lifestyle and the dr- this dream I wanted to make a reality. And uh, I think that was a, a pretty big element is like, you have to be willing to, to work really hard, which involves making certain sacrifices. Yeah. Um, and was, what would you say is kind of that benchmark, right? Because I mean, you know, when, when you start to do something, you know, like myself, you know, going to entrepreneurship, I've all of a sudden I have people, you know, from high school or whatever, reaching out to me. It's like, Oh, you're doing this. want to, want to do this. And then you tell them how much work it is. And they're like, okay, I'll think about it. Right. And then like, yeah. for you, you're living this amazing lifestyle, creating all this cool con- content. And they're like, this guy just gets to, he gets paid to go snowboard and go gets paid to paraglide or whatever it may be. And then you're like, yeah, but then you have to sit down for 12 hours and, you know, edit all this stuff because I don't have right. a whole team, a production team to do it. And then like, what do you, what do you say to, to those people? Well, for me, maybe te- taking a step back, it's like, I sort of like unlocked this passion. Like I always like love to snowboard and I was really passionate about that. And for me, it was, it was almost like an overnight thing where I was just like willing to work like that. So I would say find that thing that you're willing to work 12, 16 hours a day for seven days a week and you don't want to jump off a bridge. Like just find that thing that inspires you and invigorates you and and go for it. Like, so I, I mean, I, I think I'm intelligent and talented enough that I could do a lot of different things and be successful to some degree. But I feel like there's nothing that I'd be more willing to work as hard for 
and nothing that I would be better at. So maybe that's like the benchmark. Find that thing that like, you know that there's nothing else you'd be willing to work harder for. And, you know, after you put in those tens of thousands of hours, be like, yeah, there's nothing I would be better at than what I'm doing right now. Yeah. No, I hope well, that kind of answers the question. <laughs> yeah, no, that, that it's well said, right? I mean, it, it was one of those things where, you know, when I was working my nine to five, you kind of, you have this feeling of you're just dreading the day, you're dreading the Mondays type of attitude. And then, right. you know, with, with me launching the business and working on all these projects, those hours just go by so quickly because you just enjoy, you know, right. what you're doing. Obviously, it's not 100% perfect. I have nightmare right. clients that I'm working with too, or, or right. just like, projects that fail or are not going anywhere. And those are my lows, but I still enjoy that progress. Absolutely. Right. Yeah. So I, mean, I, I know we, we had, you'd mentioned something uh, several weeks ago about kind of the, the outlook on, on social media, um, portraying this lifestyle. And you had mentioned a little bit about kind of a, a depression state too. Right. And it, right. It, it was a post about basically portraying like it's, this is not a perfect lifestyle. Totally. Yeah, I mean, with social media right now, I think a lot of people just portray this this fantasy reality, you know, this kind of highlight real lifestyle, which is great. I really try to produce very positive, very inspiring content, you know, so some people do have an outlet to come to and say, oh, like, this cheered my day up. I get that a lot. People reaching out and say, like, this photo made my day, whatever. But I also, you know, I, I work really hard and I put a lot of pressure on myself and Recently, I had a, a mental breakdown, to be honest. Like, yeah, if you, if you go scroll through my Instagram, it's going to look like, man, this dude probably, you know, has the sickest life. And I, I have a really cool life and I'm so grateful. But that doesn't come with, you know, hardship and stress and everything that everybody in this entire planet deals with. Mm-hmm. But basically, the, the catalyst for that, and it had been... You know, as a kid growing up in in a pretty rough situation, I dealt with like depression a lot. And I think it was because of the environment I was in. And I think part of the reason why I've built this awesome lifestyle is to get away from those feelings and to, you know, but they, they creep up every now and again. There are days that I'm down. There's, you know, I have lows, I have highs. But for me, I had kind of put so much pressure on myself for the season three. And I was trying to shoot this sizzle reel and I had two different producers asking for specific pieces of content. I had this vision of being able to get it and things didn't line up. A friend and I had an argument. I had made a compromise with him to go on this trip and help him with some stuff. And he had made a compromise with me to help me film these certain things. And we had this blowout and it, I just like lost it. I spiraled totally out of control uh, emotionally and we had this argument. I was like, screw this. I'm driving home. And we were like seven hours from home. And eventually I wound down and I came back to earth. And thankfully I have like, you know, very good friends and, uh, you know, an, an incredible girlfriend who was able to kind of like help me out. But yeah, you know, it's, I don't know. Everybody, everybody struggles with things and everyone freaks out. And I think for me, it's like, sometimes I need to take a deep breath and and relax. And that for me was like a very eye opening experience because I hadn't felt like that in such a long time, but it's, it's still there. So, you know, I say be the hardest working person, you know, but for me also, I think part of it is I'm working on that balance. Sometimes to be the hardest working person means I have to go take an hour and go for a run and go do something self care. 
Mm-hmm. And then I come back and I'm re-inspired because I can, I can grind. I can sit behind the computer for 16 hours and I hate it. Yeah. I hate it so much. Like I should be outside running around doing what I love, but I can force myself to do it because I'm so dedicated to making this work. But at the same time, I've realized if I can have that element of self-care where I just step away, go do something physical, something outside, something with kicker that I can come back and I am you know, five times more productive than I would have been if I just sat there and just grinded. So yeah. it, um, it, it seems like you have a lot of really good self-awareness, you know, in, in all of these scenarios. I mean, is that something you've learned over time, something you felt like you've had or something that, you know, you just realized or someone had to tell you, like, you should take care of yourself type of, type of thing? Probably it's a combination of all those things. I've always had like a very strong internal monologue. Like I was like, Oh, I think a lot. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it's, it's easier to say than to execute, right? Those days that I feel like I have a mountain of work to get done and I still just end up grinding the 16 hours, even though I know I'll feel 10 times better if I just go for a run and come back to it. Um, so it's, I'm definitely not the master, right? I'm still, I'm still learning. I'm still trying to implement these things that I, feel I know it to be true, but I'm not perfect, (laughs) you know? Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's the message, right? I'm like, nobody is, there's no perfect lifestyle, you know, especially I, and I think that was, you know, the whole point of your post too. It's like, you know, despite all of the awesome things that you're doing, everyone, you know, is still a human being, right? And they have to figure out a way to go through the pain or the depression and, you know, figure out a way to come out of it. And whether it's something as, as simple as, as exercising or just, releasing that energy. I mean, I think, you know, you and I had discussed even pre-recording was, you know, me falling to kind of a, a depressive state too. And one was because I, I got injured working out. And then, so I had to just, you know, stop going to the gym and then mm-hmm. have some knee problems. So I was like, well, I can't really run. And then it's just like not being able to ex- exercise a lot of failed projects, just piling on and then trying to help, you know, with that by, you know, drinking to de-stress, but then that caused me more stress after and right. my mindset was just like always down whenever I did that. So I, I just decided to stop drinking. I haven't drank anything for like two months and, and then awesome. everything has been really great. Right. So that's why I, a lot of the things that, you know, hap- has happened to your life is, you know, inspired me deeply and being able to really respect the way you put the content out there and, and being really genuine you know, has spoken to me, right? Because I, I work in, you know, branding and marketing and all, all these different projects. So I have to, I follow all these other people and see all these things, but it's like, it's not, it's just not genuine, right? They just, they're posting for, you know, the money essentially. Right. So I, I love it that you've, you've kept it real. Yeah, I try to. <laughs> and I, I know, you know, we were, we're pretty much coming up on time. So I wanted to give you an opportunity to, you know, if there's something you want to say or, or share with other people based on today's conversation. Yeah. I mean, I, I think we got into some of my like bigger philosophies. And I don't know if I can like rearticulate or, or summarize anything much better than we already had discussed. I mean, just I think the overall takeaway is just to like find what you're passionate about and, and try and do as much of that as you can, because you'll be probably pretty good at it. You know, success can be surprising in that regard where it's like, oh man, I've got this dream thing. I don't know if it's going to, doesn't really make sense on paper to me right now but if you're willing to put in the hustle and you know grind for it you'll probably be the best you could you know 
the best at it. So just do that. And, and I think what you mentioned too is, is really in combination that that success is a progression, right? And you, you just started with, you know, season one, just for yourself, just to share with some friends and, and things have just been able to grow from that. And so much more opportunity comes once you get started. And then, I mean, that's the whole point of the why factor. It's like, why are you even doing this? Is it for yourself? If you start to do it, then things can start to, to grow really quickly too. Right. I think one of the things I need to remind myself of often is how far I've come from my setting off, you know, whatever, five years ago for season one to where I'm at now. I mean, I wouldn't believe it. I would, I would cry knowing that I have built, uh, you know, the lifestyle that I, that I get to live. It's just vastly different than I could have ever imagined. So, and it's, it's been five years. I mean, a lot of people expect to live your life, the, your today's lifestyle (laughs) when they're starting from day one. Right. It's, it's pretty cool. I got to, I just put together a sizzle reel for season three in hopes to pitch it to these networks or while pitching it to these networks and seeing all the content I've compiled in the last five years. It's like, wow, I've like, you know, lived a, a pretty incredible life. And I should be super grateful for that. Like even just in that three minutes of video, I just watched it's like all these different amazing memories and experiences. And yeah, it's life's, life's crazy. Well, Andrew, I appreciate you jumping on. I mean, this is one of the more emotional interviews that I've had. I mean, when, you know, obviously you're, you're telling your, your story and, you know, I, I've definitely kind of got the chills too. And it's definitely touched and I'm just super honored to have you jump on and and something for the audience, it's really funny that, you know, Andrew's been on my hit list for, for a little while. And, you know, I was just, you know, inspired, what, two weeks ago, and I decided just to reach out to you. And he, he just picked up my call. And I was like, Oh, just like taken aback that he, he picked up the phone and was super, super nice about it and, and said yes to the podcast. So I was just, I'm just absolutely grateful for you jumping on. Yeah, man, I'm grateful you reached out. It was great chatting with you. Yeah. All right. Well, take it easy and uh, we'll catch up soon. Thanks, Eric. Really appreciate it. All right. Cool. Yeah. No, thank you so much for. Yeah, you're welcome. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening until the very end. You can find more information about my guest on the website at whyfactorpodcast.com. I'll provide any links and promo codes that were mentioned in the interview. A full transcription of the interview is also available on the website. Share with your friends and tune in next time for another episode of The Y Factor.